Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. You can probably hear I've still got my good friend the flu. He hasn't left me yet. I've still got this deep husky voice. I'm going to have to just share that with you for the next hour or so. And speaking of which, this is a huge episode. It's actually going to be a little bit more than an hour. In a big week for barbecue in Australia, we've had four competitions. There's been the Angus Reserve Comp down in Albury. There has been the SCA Comp in Q Club. There's been Gloucester and there's been Ipswich. And I've managed to get people from three out of those four comps to talk to me on the show, which has been an absolute blast of a time I've had this week having these phone calls. And I'm really excited to be able to share them with you. And as Meatloaf said, three out of four ain't bad. Before we get into it, I just want to remind you about the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook. It's a group we've got going there. We've got newbies. We've got experienced people. Anything that you want to talk about barbecue related, that's the place. Uh, We've got daily posts that trigger conversations as well as just the regular banter back and forth that goes on between members. It's a really great place. It's all inclusive. Everyone's welcome. So swing by and have a look. It's the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook. Kicking off today, we're talking to Chris from Grillers in the Mist who picked up GC in Albury at the Angus Reserve competition. Top bloke, and he was actually talking to me from Gloucester. So he took time out of his competition to talk to me about a previous competition. So it was really good of him to give me that time, and I'm really thankful for it. Next up, we got Justin from, well, where's he not from? The guy's doing everything at the moment. From uh, from JG Barbecue, from Smokeface Gorillas. He went in on his own um, to the Q Club, and he took out the golden ticket for the steak. And once you hear that story, I tell you what, it's pretty good. And then rounding out the episode, we've got Grant from, I was about to say Manning Valley, but that's not Manning Valley anymore. It's Angus Reserve Barbecue Crew. And I found out that story behind that name change in this phone call. So grab yourself a juicy ribeye, grab yourself a cold drink, and let's get stuck into it. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Hello. G'day, Chris. Yes. It's Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions here, mate. How's your afternoon? Oh, just finished, mate. A little while ago, not too bad. Oh, last hand in for Gloucester done and dusted? No, um, that was just the SCA today. They had a double steak in cook-off, so. Oh, rightio. So, yeah, just had that and uh, the, the hand-ins tomorrow for the main competition. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, I'm, con- I'm getting myself confused with Ipswich. So how was the SCA? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, no, um, uh, uh, Gareth did a pretty good job, actually. His um, two stakes went in. They looked pretty bloody good, actually. So this, there's a fairly strong crew around here, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I reckon the game would have been uh, would have been pretty tough against a lot of the teams down there today. Yeah, I suppose it's one of them things, really. You don't – you sort of – you can follow all the rules and cook it the correct way and – Get all the temperatures right, but hopefully when you slice it open, it's, um, it's perfect inside. So yeah, the only problem you can't see beforehand. No, no, that is a bit of a bit of a challenge to it all, isn't it? Yeah, but no, it went really well, actually, pretty smooth. So, what cooker do you use to do your steaks on? Uh, we use the GMGs, the Green Mountain Grills, and um, 
yeah so that's basically what we we just solely green mountain grills um we got about five of them and uh we just uh just do a reverse sear on the steak that way oh wow and then we um we can heat the grill grates up in them to you know 600 fahrenheit and and uh rever- and sear them off that way right so gmgs they're all pellets yeah all pellet grills yeah so they got three different sizes or, or in the big commercial one but um we just use the, the three different versions, and uh, yeah, it's enough enough for us. Like we did forty kilos of meat down at Aubrey in two of them, so that's wow. not too bad. And I guess that answers the old question. Then yes, you can get a uh, get a pellet grill hot enough to sear a steak. They get to uh, five fifty Fahrenheit. That'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, no, and that'll it'll we get the the grill grates. Yeah, they get about six six fifty, I think, the grill grates. So when they're in the machine warmed up. Very nice. That's what you're after. Mm. So mate, tell me about the uh, the Angus competition. Congratulations on your grand champion. Oh, that was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um that was a, a win we won't forget in a long time. But uh yeah, it, it was a really good event actually. I I gotta hand it to the uh the, the Angus members down there. There was, it was a real professional, professional, well-run event, and um, everybody was really inquisitive. So it was great. All the the members were coming over, asking questions, and were happy to show them what to do. And the amount of food was phenomenal. So I think we I think we broke them. The, the last lot of meat they. Uh, there was a fair bit left. So I think we filled them all up. So <laughs> <laughs> they're all tapping out by the end of the day. Oh, they were. But uh, yeah, the the beef was fantastic supplied. Like it was some serious quality meat we were cooking with. So we did the uh, tri tips. I think they gave us four tri tips, and uh, we had two briskets plus fives, and uh, then we had twelve beef teeks we had to do, and. Uh, Two full strip loins. So wow, that is a lot of meat. Yeah, it's it, like, we roughly worked it out about forty kilos. I reckon we cooked so. And there was ten teams, so that's four hundred kilos of uh, of meat being turned out. Yeah, it wasn't there wasn't a massive amount left, but the strip loin I think fixed them. They yeah. couldn't get through all that, so that was the last one that went in. And yeah, there was a probably half of that left, but uh, yeah. So once they sort of had their fill of all the others, I think the meat comers come in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So tell me how you like to do your uh, your tri-tips. Well, we'd never cooked a tri-tip before. So, and I think a few people down there are in the same boat, you know. So uh, we, we didn't even practice one, but we had a bit of a research and look at it. And uh, there's probably two ways, you know. Most people do it the like same thing, reverse shear sort of thing, cook it that way. But the tri-tip tends to come out a little bit chewy, you know, when you get it to that medium medium to rare. And it's a, it just has that little bit of tug in the meat when you're eating it. The flavour's phenomenal. But it's that, that mouthfeel that we were sort of worried about because we had a little bit of a, uh, a, a test with some off-cuts that we, beforehand. So we thought we'd um, do it a little bit different and we – would do the second version of where we cooked it a little bit like a brisket. So we, you know, on smoke for a period of time and then we boated it and um, 
it developed its own smoke ring. It wasn't that rare look, but it was well cooked and it was as moist and tender as a brisket. It was absolutely quite nice. And um, I think we made a mistake by handing it in first. We were first off the cab off the rank. And, um, yeah, we finished sixth in that one, but we were very happy with the cook anyway. But if we were to do it again, we'd do it the same way, I think. Just hand it in a bit later after someone's had some chewy, chewy textured ones. But... Um, it came out really well, and I, you know, I, I suggest people do have a crack at doing it like a brisket because it is, it takes the chewiness out of the tri tip. Sounds good, mate. I love the sound of that. So, just on that topic of of when to hand in, where do you guys usually try and try and fall in the hand in window? Uh, yeah, I I sort of like to be in that towards the middle, towards the end, you know, that sort of area. If you, if you I don't know, if you go in first, you, people forget you, you know what I mean? Um, when there's so many different meats coming through, you, you sort of get a little bit lost in the in the whole scheme of things. So um, we we back our cooking and so, you know, we, uh, we think our best opportunity is in around that middle to last hand-in stage. So give them an opportunity to try some uh, some lesser well done cuts. Well, that's it. If you if you can get a, a good standout one and good flavour, you know, the they're going to uh, they're going to compare it definitely. But I suppose if you're first off the bat, they've got nothing to compare it with. So where do they lay their scores? Do they go, oh, well, we've not given so much because we're we're waiting for. We don't know where the others are going to land or, you know, so I, I think you roll the dice every time you hand it into the judges, though, basically. It depends on everybody's different palates. Well, yeah, exactly. And having been on the on the judges' side of the tables a couple of times, I can tell you that, you know, it can be like a couple of minutes well and truly into the hand-in window before the last table's even got their, got their first box. So you could be handing in around the halfway mark thinking you're – going to be maybe the third or fourth box on a table and you might still end up being the first box on a table anyway. So it's, it's all, it's all luck of the draw. I think it is. Um, and you know, that's, you, you can't get too disheartened when you, with your judgings and things like that, because people do have different flavors, but you've got to sort of use your cooking to please everybody. You know, some people don't like chili. Some people don't like sweet. You know, we always, we always have a laugh and a giggle with other teams about minting lamb. I can't stand the stuff, but it seems to go all right. You know what I mean? But you might get someone there that doesn't like mint. So we, we do ours a very, very flavorful, but a very neutral flavor too. So you can still taste the meat. You know, that's a very interesting point because that was a, uh, almost a semi-rural kind of competition, wasn't it? It was definitely a regional competition. So did you sort of scale down your flavour profiles a little bit to suit those those regional judges? No. No, no. We didn't do anything um, different at all, actually. Um, it's just I, I think that's our style of cooking. Um, and, you know, most of the judges too are, are punters and they remember what they eat at home. So I think sometimes this overpowering of flavours and stuff can can work in a disadvantage towards you as well. So I, I love my food. I, I, I'm happy to eat what I like, you know, and if the tastes are nice, well, then 
if I was a judge, I'd score it that way. That's the way I think of it anyway. Yeah, very interesting approach there. It seems to have worked for us, so. Yeah. So how was the competition overall? What was the atmosphere like? What was the venue like? Oh, the venue. The venue was uh, very well done, actually. Um, very well set up. Uh, they had uh, had everybody in the middle, Jess Bowles doing her demonstrations on stage, and they, they spent a fair bit of coin printing the place up, which was good. Um, it really did look very professional. And um, it was quite interesting, like you're saying, about the country folk and stuff, like a lot of the older fellas and that were coming over and the meats and we're handing in, you know, medium steaks and things like that and they're going, oh, I love my steak, well done, I don't like blood in it and stuff. And Yeah, so you do get a different sort of taste with some of the older farmers. Um, but um, everybody was uh, extremely interested. It was it was a good interactive event you know what i mean we weren't just there to cook for a competition we were there to interact with the crowd and and showcase the the angus meat and um you know our our gmg's attracted a bit of attention which was great and uh you know we're pretty lucky we've got that sponsorship and the oakridge sponsorship they're a great rub company and um they've won plenty of awards around the world so we're we're pretty lucky with our flavor profiles yeah they are very good so how did the traditional farmers react to the modern technology of the GMGs? Surprisingly enough, a few of them had them and were looking at them. But um, I think they also, once they understood how they worked, uh, the simplicity of it where you don't have to watch over them, you know, you don't have to keep stoking the fire, you don't have to keep adjusting the, the air vents, the machine just does it itself. You set the temperature away away you go you just got to work on your times and your textures and your your your, um your different ways you cook the different meat so they are they are uh an an ease to us when it's a fast-paced thing in this barbecue comp because we're not having to worry about that particular item it just chugs along interesting yeah sounds like they uh like they were open to the uh, new ways of doing things well, that's the thing. At home, you know, if you're cooking a brisket, you know, seven or eight hours, you don't have to stand over the fire. You can actually go and socialise and mix with your friends that you invited over to eat it. So that's why we like it. Yeah. Yeah, my friends, whenever they come around, we all end up standing around the fireplace anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, these things you just, you know the machine's just going to tick along at that temperature and you don't have to worry about adjusting anything. It does it all for you. Yeah, good stuff. So how's your competition season been so far this year? Uh, not too bad. Um, we, uh, as you know, we, we won the Angus one. We did a bunch of great, great barbecue teams, which we were stoked about. Um, uh, we've been finishing up in that top five, top ten sort of thing, which is, which is pretty good. So we've got broke in two weeks, which is going to be exciting, 60-odd teams up there. That's going it's to be a blast. A, it's going to be a great event. It was good last year. I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be twice as big this year. So um, uh, he's uh, he's got it well organised. But uh, it's uh, going to be highly contested. There's some big prize money in hand, and uh, you know, hopefully we can do pretty well in it. Yeah, sounds good to me. And you've got plans for the rest of the year as well. After that, um, there's a 
couple of trips to Queensland. Ooh, excellent. Which one's in Queensland are you coming up to? Uh, the Brisbane one's the first one, I think, in June. So uh, that's going to be quite a big one. I, I, I think Gareth's going to try one of the um, KCBS ones as well. I think that might be the KCBS one, isn't it? It is. The that's Brisbane the barbecue one. and beer road yeah, show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so... He's going to try that one out. Um, I unfortunately can't go up there with him, but um, uh, we uh, I've got work commitments. But um, yeah, so he's he's going to try a couple of Brisbane ones, and um, uh, we'll just sort of plan it from there. Probably the Dam Hotel, uh, the Invitational. Uh, see how we go. Interesting. So then, how does this win at Angus this week? How does that set you up for the rest of the year? Uh, there's no points on that one. It was a ABA light because there was only 10 teams. You've got to have 20 to, to points. Unfortunately, that would have been 100 points for us, but um, we'll just have to try and get those points at other comps. But, uh, yeah, no, we're poking along all right in the points department at the moment. We've just got to put a third one together to get on the board, and uh, hopefully we'll be up there in the top 10. Very nice, mate. i got my fingers crossed for you. So... Oh, just on that topic of the ABA light, I haven't been to one yet, so I don't know. Uh, I haven't experienced it myself. So, what what sort of feelings do you have about the ABA lights? Oh, look, an event like that was just a great experience. You know, um, you um, you probably wouldn't. We probably wouldn't do too many lights, but something like that. You know, it's uh, it's it's a massive organisation. We're we're sponsored by Angus Reserve anyway. Um, it's a it's a great meet, so we were we were very very happy that we were privileged enough to be invited, um, and uh, I think it's uh, I think from what they're talking, it's going to be a an every year thing. So it, it, I'd be more than happy to go down there and just uh, show our wares and show the meets wares and, and um, show people how it's done because this this type of cooking's growing fairly rapidly in Australia. Oh, so fast. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, well, I suppose when you look at it, you know, population percentages, we've actually got a bigger competition than over in America. Yeah, in terms of comps per capita, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, and look, we've got some bloody good teams in this this field. It's, uh, it's, it's always hard to get up the top. You've really got to work at it. So, you, you know, we put a lot of practice into it. Yeah, well, we've got teams in Australia here now that are travelling over to the Royal, travelling over to Memphis in May, all those sorts of things. Yeah, and, uh, the Manning boys did very well over there. Well, the Angus Reserve boys did now did very well over there. And um, uh, second place in brisket, which is pretty pretty huge, actually, to, to get a second place in a big comp over in America. Yeah, that was mind-blowing. That was... Um that was the comp that I was competing in as well over there, the the Houston World's Barbecue Championships. That was uh, yeah. that was something else. <laughs> that was that was a big a big uh, a big notch in the, their uh, belt. That one. Absolutely, yeah. So, do you think that it's fair to say with the um, with the with the paired back format of the ABA lights that it's better suited to corporate events, trade shows, that kind of thing, where the focus is more on the industry than on the competition? I think so. Yeah, um, I, I think so. But um, you know, there's well, there's over 440 teams registered or something at the moment, isn't there? So you know, it's it's you've got to be quick to get in and get a spot. You know, and you can start seeing these competitions are now starting to grow. Like I think 
the one in Queensland is going to be 74 teams. Broke's going to be over 60. You know, it's um, we dropped out Port Macquarie, which was over 100. But I really, I really can see things like Broke and stuff like that getting well over 100 teams in the next year or so. Bundaberg in regional Queensland there last weekend had something like 52. I know that's just crazy, isn't it? Like it's it's a long drive and um, it's to get 50 teams up there. It's it's fantastic. It's just amazing, yeah. Absolutely incredible. But, um, that's the downside of Australia, mate. We're so spread out. We are, mate. We are, we are. And that's the thing. You've got to, you've got to pick it and which, which ones you want to do and, and um, blend it in with work, I suppose. It would be great if you could make a profession out. <laughs> that would be the dream, wouldn't it? Mm. It does get a bit tricky too, as you were saying, with these comps filling up so fast. You've got to be able to juggle your work schedule with the comp schedule and plan everything like at least six months out in advance. Oh, and that's right. You know, and there's a lot of teams that got young families and stuff like that. Me and Gareth are pretty lucky. Um, our kids moved on. Gareth's, Gareth's um, daughter's old enough now too, so, you know, we we can we can sort of trip away every now and then. But it does it does cut into your time. You know, we've done a 11 or 12 comps in a year and it's, it is very time-consuming. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Listen, man, speaking of time, I realise that you are busy. You are out of competition right now as we speak, so I'm going to say thanks very much. Thanks for coming onto the show. Congratulations on your win at, uh, at the Angus Comp and best of luck this weekend in Gloucester. Thanks very much. Thank you. This is David Ong and you're listening to Smoking Hot Confession. Yo. Hey, Justin. How's it going, mate? Good, mate. How you going? Yeah, good, good. What you been up to? Oh, nothing much. Not much lately. Just, you know, barbecuing here and there and spending time with the family. I was going to say nothing much. I know that's not quite true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to keep busy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So thanks for coming on board the show tonight for a quick chat. There's a bunch of stuff that I that I want to sort of try and uh, quickly ask you about. Um, sure. T- speaking of a man in barbecue who wears many hats, I saw that you are a co-owner of um, Barbecue Supplies Melbourne. Tell us about that. Well, Barbecue Supplies Melbourne, that was uh, that goes back a little while actually. Um, John and I formed that together. Um, we basically started when we first started out. We ended up uh, picking up a sponsorship with Firebrand. And um, that was after we won a couple of trophies at our what's that, our first ABA comp from memory, which was pretty cool. And um, part of that sponsorship, you know, we were uh, obviously getting Firebrand sent down to us and they were trying to break into the market at the time. So, you know, we um, basically set up this little business, John and I, and started to actually distribute through Victoria. And, um, yeah, that's how that sort of came about and couple of little bits and pieces in there um, and then yeah things obviously change over time and we all move on from things and uh, yeah we haven't really actually tabled with barbecue supplies Melbourne for quite a while oh okay alrighty yeah interesting so are, are, are there any uh, sort of plans on the on the drawing board to sort of bring that back at any stage or you you're, you're uh, you're over that uh, idea. 
I'll probably leave it open for now. You never know what the future holds. But um, I've got a there's a few other hats that obviously I wear and Jai wears as well. So um, trying to find time to balance everything together with you know family and barbecue and side businesses and work as well. But um, it's always a constant juggle. I hear that, man. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I guess um I guess one of those other hats then's got to be JG barbecue. Yeah. That's obviously um big part of my life and my my family's life. Um Yeah, started that probably two and a half years ago. Um I was invented the offset plate which you've obviously seen around. Um Yeah, that was just a uh, you know I've been using obviously like most other people when you first start out, start off on a classic Weber Weber kettle. And uh, the way I was using it at the time was having a Weber basket to the side, wrapping the lower section in foil, and uh, cook all that for a little while, but noticed too much direct heat coming from the basket. So I looked around the house and found an old terracotta pot plant base and hit that with an axe, broke it in half, and uh, lent two half moons up against the basket, and I cooked like that for about a year. <laughs> and I was like, one day, one day I was like, no, nah, I can do better than this. And I started thinking about airflow and um, how to better prevent cold air from obviously touching the meat, forcing the air through the hot coals so nothing but hot air touches the meat. And obviously uh, I ended up designing the offset plate through a few um, tests and uh, it had so many more benefits than what I could have ever dreamed of, you know, acting as the heat sink, increasing fuel efficiency, literally recovery times are insane. There's yeah a whole bunch of positives in, in using it. So I never actually pushed the product myself at first. I just sort of uh, I wanted to see how it would be accepted and through friends and uh, some family as well using some. And just yeah, word of mouth it just grew and grew into what it is today. And it's just getting bigger. Yeah, it's funny that you tell that story about um, starting with a kettle and just running around finding what you can find and hitting it with an axe. For me, it was um, garden pavers. I actually, I, um, I, I, I hit a bunch of, uh, of garden pavers with an old mallet and I broke one of them in a, in about half. And I found that one and a half pretty much yep. covered that whole, uh, that whole width, but I didn't quite go as far out as you as, um, at, as blocking out all the rest of the airflow. So, uh, yeah, definitely like your idea much better. <laughs> well, that just makes it, yeah, a lot easier, easier to top up as well. If you're doing a really long cook, just, uh, if you've got one of those hinge grates, Yep. I designed it so that where the charcoal is, it's exactly where the hinge is. You can actually just open it up, drop in more if you need to. But look, generally, you should be able to get, you know, depending on what you're cooking with, like heat beads, briquettes. You know, I've had reports of 13 hours cooking into low temp, um, most commonly around anywhere from 8 to 10 hours. So wow. you should be able to cook most things in that time. Yeah. And so is that starting with a minion method or is that fully lighting the – the briquettes in a chimney and just tipping them in and then dialing it down? Well, it's interesting. Some people call it the minion. Some people call it similar to the snake. It's basically, obviously, you're banking the coals with the design. You can still fit a weather basket down there if you need to, if you're worried about protecting the enamel. I've never had an issue. haven't had any reports of that. Um, but the whole idea is, yeah, put in a whole bunch of unlit briquettes and then at one end, remove like or leave space for about six uh, briquettes to go fully lit. And that way, what happens is it burns completely from one side all the way across the other. If you put it in the middle, it's going to try to burn across both sides. So you're actually going to reduce the amount of cook time that you could potentially gain. Whereas if you 
burning from one end to the other. Right. Interesting. So it's like a kind of a hybrid then between the minion and the snake. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Ah, very cool, very cool. I think I first yeah. heard of um, JG plates when I heard people starting to talk about using them with a go anywhere. I think you kind of you kind of helped pioneer this current Weber go anywhere craze we're in in Australia. Yeah, it's a huge craze. Uh, obviously, with our offset plates for the GAs, um, Kyle in South Australia with his risers, everyone's going nuts for those as well at the moment. Yeah, that's um, the other yeah. one I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like GAs are really popping up ever at the moment. It's, it's great to see. Yeah. So is that it? Is that much the same deal then? Is it the same sort of principle? It's that it's the whole design design that I have is, yeah, that principle of reducing the amount of cold air that touches the meat, basically trying to force as much much airflow through those coals to get to hot air touching it. So it actually also speeds up the cook a little bit. And that, that sort of incorporates that area where it's just a lot quicker. Um, you can add moisture as well just by putting in a little water pan. Um, yeah, I could have designed it differently, I guess, with a, a welded-in steel base plate all out of stainless, but then that's going to drive the end-user cost up, and I really didn't want to do that. So we'll keep that low for the sake of, you know, a $5 pan from Safeway or Kmart or wherever. Just stick that in there, put some water in there, half full, and you've got more than enough moisture through it cook. I mean, the fact that you can cook a – I've cooked eight kilo briskets in there using the offset plate. Now, haven't had to rotate that at all, and it just cooks it all the way through. It's, yeah, awesome. Sorry, did you say eight kilo? Yeah, that's probably the biggest I've done, about eight, eight point two, I think it was. Um, I can't remember what brand it was now. But, yeah, I've cooked quite a few, seven, seven and a half kilos. But, yeah, eight kilos is probably the biggest I've cooked. Um and, you know, just obviously monitor throughout the cook. Uh, when I first did it, I was thinking, yeah, you know, may have to move it around, but didn't have to touch it at all. Only you had to do was lift the lid to uh, give it a little spritz here and there. Um, but because it's actually that whole surface area is really consistent, even temperature, it um, just rockets along through. I'm just trying to wrap my head around the 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 idea of an eight kilo brisket going in a going in a go anywhere. Did you? Oh, not in the, not in the go anywhere. Ah, no, no, in the standard, the twenty-two kettle. Okay, okay, gotcha. I, <laughs> I thought you're talking about the go anywhere, and I, my mind was blown. <laughs> no, I've seen people obviously do whole chooks in there, and um, even uh, Michael from Butcher's Axe, he actually did a what do you? He did a lamb shoulder while he was on the road. He actually took it with him in his car. I'm not sure if he had a tray ute or something, but he uh, he took it with him and actually cooked it over the day in his GA with an offset plate, which is pretty cool. Interesting, interesting. I'm not sure that it's particularly road safe ah, be to fine. be to, to be <laughs> cooking a chicken in the back of a ute whilst driving down the highway. <laughs> but if anyone's going to do it, it'd be him. Yeah. <laughs> when you got a barbecue, you got a barbecue, man. Well, yeah, I guess you got to you got to scratch that itch. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've uh, I was talking to Jai last week about all the goals that you've been hitting with um, uh, SFG this year, but you've uh, you, you've struck out on your own this week, and you took out the golden ticket and first place at the SCA at, at Q Club. Yeah, I certainly did. That was um, a whole lot of fun. Um, yeah, branching out, look. Yeah, SFG, we used to compete in some of the SCA cooks. 
and um, Guy would do much all the steak cooks, and he can cook a mean steak. Like he's, we'll get, oh, we'll get like three in a row in the top five is nailing it. And then um, one of the comps, uh, Horsham, which you might remember the last year, the year before, I can't remember now. We had that terrible uh, weather come through. And we didn't have any marquee, uh, marquee sides, and we were planning on using a deep fryer. And the rain was coming in sideways, and there was no way between you and me that I was going to use a uh, deep fryer with the rain coming in. So we ended up actually um, going to local shops and just getting some plain audio uh, crumb cheese, and we wrapped some prosciutto around it. The care factor that was put into it just wasn't enough. So after that comp, we sort of decided, hey, let's let's stop focusing on doing SEA as well and just run with the main event. And that's that kind of probably helped us as, as well um, achieve the goals that we have achieved like last year. Um, but then late last year at Creekside, uh, I thought, you know, why not? I might give it a go myself because I wanted to see how I could cook up against you know, the likes of Craig and Dane and Steve. And there's, you know, a lot of great quality steak cooks out there. And that was my first actual comp in SEA on um, cooking for steak. And, um, yeah, I got a golden ticket on my first cook, so that was pretty exciting. Golden ticket on your first run out of the gate. Yeah. It blew my mind as well. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. What was that feeling like when you heard your name called out? Oh, insane. Just looked over to my wife, Beck, who was there working with the Q Club at the time. And, um, yeah, just she came running over, gave me a big hug. And, oh, it's surreal. Like, the feeling is absolutely surreal. <laughs> but, uh, so at that point I was like well I guess I can cook a steak and um, kind of got the itch I guess to keep going here and there if I could without obviously affecting the team at comps and uh, you know James would give me a hand sometimes drives kicked in sometimes uh, Chris has helped as well the last one with some of the ancillaries um, but yeah this one at the Q Club on the weekend was just me solo just plotting along um, it was real weird actually I actually felt pretty in control you know, doing dishes while the steak's on, cooking away, and I know it was pretty good. The, um, as you know, what the barbecue community's like, the support's great. You know, the amount of people that come over, like, you okay, you need to get a hand. It's like, no, just plotting along, doing my thing, and I know it was, a, it was a great day. I mean, these kind of events are awesome for catching up with, you know, friends that you don't see all the time, you know, people coming over from South Australia and elsewhere as well. So it's, it's nice to just kick back and catch up with everyone. Well, there was a hell of a draw card there this year. It was a $9,000 first prize, uh, total prize purse. Yeah, massive. Like first time uh, and Sylvie's have had a $1,000 for the winner, so it's pretty huge. Another first. I did actually notice that before as well, that um, the stake was $1,000 and then first prize for ancillary was like 300 Oh, generally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I always wondered sort of what the incentive was aside from just it allowed you to be a bit creative and have a bit of fun, but I think – if uh, if Q Club's going to set that bar right up there and say, right, it's going to be $1,000 across the board, I think that's really going to drive a lot more interest in the ancillary categories. Definitely. I mean, for like, for me personally, like steak is obviously the key thing. That's what, I mean, that's the hero of what we're all there for. The ancillaries are kind of like an added bonus. Um, but you put that kind of prize money up for grabs, it, it spurs on the brain to really kick in and start thinking about a few different creative ideas and really try and chase those dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so, mate, speaking of all those creative ideas, then tell me about your hand-ins for the uh, for this competition. Yeah. So, um, my wife actually uh, she was like, "Oh, do you mind if I uh, like can I come up with the idea for the one bite?" 
So uh, I was like, sure, go for it. Because at the time, I, just, I wanted to worry about steak. And um, just did a few practice cooks at home and just came up with a, um, it was basically deep fried chicken on waffle with um, bacon and a maple syrup butter inside with maple syrup drizzled over the top. Oh my God. Yeah, it, it tasted amazing, but execution on the day, um, the appearance wasn't quite there. I mean, some of the other stuff that I saw was absolutely phenomenal. Like the, the level of cooks that are entering this now and the effort that everyone's putting in is insane. So, yeah, I think the appearance probably hurt us a bit there, but the feedback we got was that it you know, tasted really good. But that's all right. It's what it is, you know. Can't kick all the goals. No, no. So when you're doing something like that, do you – do you cook it big and then trim it down to get it into one bite or do you cook it as one bite? Um, so the chicken itself was thigh and then it was broken down into small small bite-sized pieces and then um, put through a flour mixture and uh, what else was there? something else as well. And uh, <laughs> we actually had the power drop out um, just before the hand-in. I think everyone decided to turn on the deep fries at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Blew the transformer or something. Yeah. So that made it, that made it really interesting because like I actually want Beck had actually made um pre made some waffles the night before and I was I took the toaster just to put in the toaster to heat up. So I needed the deep fryer, then the toaster. And I didn't have the opportunity, so I ended up just throwing the um the little waffle pieces actually into the deep fryer as well. So that may have um worked against us as well, but you got to do what you got to do to get it done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, that would have been very interesting. So what about the other ancillary? Yeah, um, chili. So chili con carne was the other one. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I, I love my spicy food, so I was uh, more than happy to do that. Um, and it's great, like, to be able to, like, my chili end up cooking, which everyone else did as well, was like five hours. Um, some people made it a little bit longer. So you're just constantly developing those flavors, adding a little bit to it, a little bit to it, constantly tasting it. And uh, it's it's actually a really easy category to, to cook while doing other hand-ins because it's just on the pot, just slowly cooking. And when it comes time to plating up, it was um, relatively easier than what some of the other ones are. Although in saying that, seeing some of the other hand-ins from people were amazing. Um, What's Your Beef did a... Uh, fully crusted like ball deep fried which was just phenomenal um oh, this? yeah there's some amazing things <laughs> you know? a, a deep fried ball of chili yeah so i believe make it correct me if i'm wrong um they rolled the pats in like uh crushed doritos and some other stuff as well and it was just these perfectly formed balls that had been deep fried and uh, i was lucky enough to try one and they were awesome oh, that's, that's impressive phenomenal. Yeah. So, yeah, the level of uh, hand-ins right now is just insane. The quality is phenomenal. Yeah. All right, so then the big money hand-in, mate. Tell us about your steak. Um, yeah, well, actually, <laughs> it's funny. I actually changed the flavour profile um, uh, from, like, the last one at Creekside um, to something completely different. And I hadn't actually cooked, leading up to this comp, I hadn't cooked a steak for about two months. I'd just been too busy, didn't have a chance to actually do any practice cooks. And uh, when it came time to getting, grabbing all the rubs, getting ready, I was saying to Beck, what was, what was that other rub that I put with, with this one last time? Because I cannot remember. 
so I ended up grabbing um, what I thought it was, and I was just like tried the two obviously together, and yeah, no, it tastes good in the mouth, so I'll run with that. And uh, so that was interesting. And uh, I actually just just finished testing uh, size-wise for uh, one of our offset plates for the Smoky Joe. So in over the past few times, I've used a Weber GA with an offset plate for the reverse. I reverse sear my steaks. Okay. So I used the GA with an offset plate for the reverse, and then I used my Jumbo Joe with the grill grates um, for the sear. And I just finished this uh, Smoky Joe offset plate, which kind of gives me a bit more actually a fair bit more surface area to place the steaks. So I hadn't actually tested cooking with it yet, but I thought, why not? Let's just run with that. So I took that along and, um, yeah, first break-in, first steak. Um, yeah, winner. So <laughs> pretty happy with that. Wow. And so did you put the yeah. did you put the grill grates on the Smoky Joe or did you go back to the, the – was it the Jumbo Joe you said? Yeah, so I reversed it on the Smoky Joe. Yep. Um, using uh, what I use, heat beads lump on that with their new cherry chunks as well. And then on the um, Jumbo Joe, I use the uh, the coconut blue briquettes, put that underneath. I've got all worked out now to get it the right temp for what I'm after. Yep. I'm normally around between 600 to 650 Fahrenheit for the grill grates for the sear for me. Um, and yeah, that was it. That's, yeah, two little barbecues, that's all you need. Wow. So you went in there with no practice. You went in there with yep. a bunch of rubs that you couldn't quite remember if you had used them before <laughs> on a on a barbecue that you hadn't used before with a product that was still in untested prototype stage <laughs> and you've walked away with a ticket to the States. Well, when you say it like that, it sounds pretty damn crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome, man. It's such a good story. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, a bit of fun, but... Yeah, the whole day was fun. Um, so that was, yeah, the first day handing, and obviously the second one, because it was a double header, um, that one, I treated that slightly different. So the, the steaks that we had from, I believe it was Vintage Beef Co., um, they, they, I actually really liked them. They were really nice. Um, they were an older cattle, so normally they have 30 months, these were 60 months, um, so a bit more beefier. So the first steak I did, I actually backed off one of the rubs just to see... Well, I thought I'd do one that was backed off, and in the second cook, I actually did my normal sort of level of coating. Um, the second, yeah, the second hand in, I ended up finishing 12th, so just out of the uh, top 10. Unfortunately, but that's okay. I, I can certainly live with that after getting the first place ticket on the first one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, it was just a fun day, really fun day. I mean, Q Club put on an awesome event. Um, everything runs smooth. You know, they can't help power dropping out when everyone turns on the deep fryer. <laughs> no. But, uh, other than that, I mean, the other thing was, you know, they had um, the last hand in, a half an hour later pretty much was call-outs, which, you know, as a competitor, you'd know as well, sometimes you just really want to get the call-outs done so that you can then go pack up and obviously you're curious to find out how the hell you went. <laughs> yeah. So um, no, they they ran it well. Trucks from SCA obviously uh, worked damn hard to make that happen as well. So it was a um, good collaboration between the two. Yeah, very cool. So what does this mean for the rest of the year for you then? Because I know that you're going to is it the Royal with SFG, and Correct. and now you got your ticket to the World Food Championships. Um, yep. Oh, sorry, the 
World Stake. Uh, the Houston, yeah. Sorry. FBA Championship. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's what I mean. Sorry. Um, okay. So where does that leave you? Are you going to go to both? Um, I believe you can put off a golden ticket one year, can't you? So if you don't go this year, you can go next year? Yes, you can defer. And I do love my wife very much. <laughs> so uh, to try to go to the Royal and Houston in the same year, I don't think I'd have a, a house to come home to. All <laughs> <laughs> the locks would be changed. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, we're um, definitely focusing on the Royal for later this year. Um, try, obviously, explain it to you in your earlier conversation with him. Yep. Um, we'll be mixing up a few things in the forthcoming comps just to get ourselves prepared for America, which is going to be awesome. Um, but as far as the actual SCA championship goes, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be deferring that um, to next year. I'm not sure how whether you can defer it for one year or two years, but we'll see how we go. But it won't be this year, unfortunately. Mate, I love Houston. I've been there a couple of times now. It's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, just as a city. The city as a whole is fun. The, like just the overall atmosphere of the place. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Awesome. Can't wait to get over there. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess then that the last thing I just wanted to quickly talk to you about was um, Dipper's Backyard Barbecue Wars. Oh, yeah, that as well. Yep. You're a bona fide TV barbecue celebrity now. Ah, oh, just a humble barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's, um, yeah, as Boomer said as well, it's, um, it was a lot of work to get to where it is now. Uh, a lot of work from everyone involved. Um, you know, from that little pilot that to a lot of people looked, you know, a little bit scrappy, but that was the whole idea was to get that concept across. And then obviously a year later after that, we um, did another pilot, which was a lot more refined and a much better quality. And that went out to uh, the studios and um, we were lucky enough to get seven mates to pick us up. Uh, and yeah, like to punch it all out in a week was um, exceptional and it was long days. It was, you know, it wasn't always easy, but it was a hell of a lot of fun. Like uh, hopefully it comes across on TV. Um, the four of us just had an absolute blast. Uh, you may not get all the banter in, on the TV show, but there was plenty of a back scene. Don't worry about that. I can imagine. <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, yeah look, it's been received really well. The feedback's been great. Um and as you now know, like season two has been given the green light. So we are um, talking about that already and uh, we'll get that happening for, I believe, next year. Mate, I reckon it really says something for the state of the scene at the moment that a barbecue TV show has managed to get a second season. Now, I, I, that sounds like a kind of backhanded thing to say, but we've seen them try and do it before. And they've got yep. one season and it's died. So the fact that you guys have been able to get a second season, I think that really says a lot for the wider society's appreciation of the barbecue scene as a whole. And I think you guys have done a lot to to pioneer that. Um, and so, you know, hats off to you guys. Congratulations to you guys on that. Oh, cheers. I mean, look, it, um, Channel 7 were a little bit um, sceptic and a bit cautious at first. Uh, obviously with the last show and... But they're the real pioneers. They really kicked it off. And they would have, yes, it may not have gone to a second season, but that original show would have spurred interest in a lot of Australians. Planted a lot so of seeds. I think it really did. As you know, you tell one person or feed somebody one of your slices of brisket, that, that information spreads. And they're like, wow, have you tried this? And before you know it, you've got 10 other friends saying, oh, can you do a cook-up for us this weekend? 
Um, so I think just planting those little seeds everywhere has helped the whole thing grow. I mean, take a commercial company like Bunnings, for example. All scenes changing, and it's awesome a to be a part of, and b to see, and to watch your friends and even family start to get involved. It's really cool. I mean, education's a, a big side of it. Um, that's that's probably one of the biggest things us boys uh, on the TV show are trying to get across to um, a lot of Australians that are used to just doing you know, your snacks, your burgers, your chops on the body. But you can do so much more. Like even if you've got you know a gas barbecue, you can still do a lot more. You can still reverse your steak on it, um, but introduce them to charcoal and flavour and you know a lot of people that I speak to about I try to get them across to, to doing barbecue and low and slow and charcoal a lot of them say oh, I haven't got time to um you know light charcoal and get it ready and cook stuff on oh well you know products now like you know the heapy's uh, chimney booster that has charcoal ready in you know eight ten minutes you can you know fire it up in no time and be cooking you still your snacks if you want but at least it's going to taste better over charcoal yeah exactly yeah and it's uh it's on par with with uh, how long it takes to get a gas grill hot now. Yeah, spot on. So good. So, mate, I'm going to put you on the spot then with this last question. As a bit of a steak guru now, you've managed to, uh, as we said before, do no practice, <laughs> come in with unused products and unused uh, cookers and all sorts of stuff and, and take out a golden ticket. Where do you stand on steaks being handed in in open beef categories? It's expected. Like, I'd be crazy enough to say you're not going to not see it because it's, I guess it's opening the floodgates to to all forms of beef. That's the whole idea. Um, I understand why they're trying to do it. Um, broaden the horizon, see something different. Uh, I guess I'm a bit more of a traditionalist. I'd rather go brisket slices and burn ends every day of the week. Um, we've never, but sometimes we've had cooks where the flat may not be where we want it to be and the burnt ends have been amazing and the back of your head you know that you put those flat slices in it's going to pull down your score so you know that if you leave them out you're going to get a better score but we've never been able to bring ourselves to do that for us i guess traditionalists would rather just we want to put in slices and burnt ends every time so you're going to go the whole hog and do a whole brisket even in an open beef category yep yep um, we may try, it's tough because you do have to, you don't want to be left behind in the scene either. No. So if, it, if it progresses forward and this is happening more and more and more and those different cuts are going to start getting call-ups, well, you've got to be smart. You've got to change the way you play to, to keep up with the game. So we're, we're not you know, naive enough to say, no, we're always going to do that. If that comes to it, then we will make alterations to suit. Yeah, I, I think it's going to lead to um, quite an interesting sort of new age in the next, uh, in like later in this season and into next season as well. I think we're going to see quite a few new creative directions happening, which is going to be quite um, quite intriguing to see, to, to say the least. Yeah, it, yeah, it is going to be very interesting to see. And, you know, some people say it's you know, easy to cook a steak. Um, it's a lot harder to cook a brisket, and that's that is true. Um, but what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody's cooking a good steak, well, maybe you just go as you know, John mentioned, get a sure leggy blue steak and roll the dice. Yeah, it's just, it, I don't know, like, yeah, traditionally, I, I'd rather cook brisket every day of the week. 
Fair enough, mate. That's Fair me, enough. Me personally. <laughs> <laughs> so which comp are you going to be at next? Where am I going to see you? Mate, my next engagement is up in Townsville. I'm heading up there to do a bit of a uh, bit of MCing up there, and then I'm nice. booked. I'm booked solid a lot through uh, June, July, and August. Um, yep. There's a there's a possible. It's an outside possibility at this stage of uh, of heading overseas to go do the SHC media thing at a competition overseas. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, so we've got we've got lots of big things coming up. Lots of big things happening. Exciting. Easy man as well. I like it. Yeah, mate, we've all got our hustles. That's it. Got to keep the barbecue going. Yeah. <laughs> Look, mate, I'm going to say thanks very much for your time. Thanks for being a part of the show. I do realise that it is a school night, so I do appreciate that you've taken some time out of your uh, busy, busy day to uh, to have a quick chat with me. And I'm sure everyone else out there appreciates it as well, mate. Thank you very much for having me on, mate. I really appreciate it. And great chatting with you. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. G'day, Ben. G'day, Grant. How you doing? Good, thanks, mate. How you been? Good. Really good. And yourself? Yeah, yeah. Tops, mate. Tops. Bit crook, bit crook. Got a bit of the flu, but, you know, getting there. <laughs> yeah, it's getting around everywhere, that one. Yeah, it's nasty too. Woo. It is. It is. Yeah, no. How's the states, all right? Oh, the States, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, mm. it was really good, really good. Spent four weeks over there, um, went through Louisiana, up into Memphis, Kansas City, and down into Arkansas. So it was it was a good trip. That would have been great. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, very good. I was actually going to ask you the same question because you uh, went to Houston again. Yep, definitely went to Houston and uh, had a great time. And uh, for the second experience, it was very good. Yeah, so what – was it much the same as the year before? Was there much different? Yeah, pretty well the same. Um, probably, probably this year. The difference this year is probably that you knew a lot more, knew a lot more people from over there from the previous years, and um, had a bit of time with the ninja, as you've seen. And um, yeah, but no, pretty well, basically the same. Ah, oh, awesome, awesome. And were the crowds as big? Yeah, if not bigger. Oh was, wow. Uh, that's one amazing thing. It's just like, you know, as I say, it's just like a state of origin on steroids. It's just amazing how many people that just come through there for a barbecue or a party. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the year that I was over there with you, the um, the biggest crowd was on the Saturday night was 125,000 people was what I heard. Yeah, I haven't actually had a look up this, this year and seen how many there was, but um, definitely trying to get through the crowd and, you know, get to presentation and they actually had a, a front area up for all the um, international teams right at the front of the stage. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so you were fenced off a little bit and to get there was just, it was just like every other, you know, last year it was just so hard. But, yeah, no, it was amazing. So you needed a, a, a Rolling Stones type security cadre to like kick all the crowd out of the way so you could pass pass through? It was a bit like that. <laughs> 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 oh, we had the Brazilians with us, so they were pretty noisy and vocal. They got us through. Oh, that would have been awesome having a Brazilian yeah, team there. Yeah, they were crazy. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, no. So. But no, it was really good. Oh, fantastic. Well, mate, one of the things I want to ask you is um, the, the team name change. Yep. So was that is this a is this a second team? Are you going to be Manning in some competitions and Angus in the other? Is it a is it a whole new team or is it just a rebrand or what's no, what's so happening? No, it's, it's, a, it's a whole rebrand. So um, the Angus Reserve comes from the company I work for, 
So they've come on board as um, a major sponsor. So the one of the main things was that, you know, they wanted to, uh, the name had to be to do with the product, which is our English Reserve product, and they wanted in that the naming to be, so it could be a part of that, which many valleys are part of a grass-fed program we have, but really from the low and slow um, and the barbecue machine, it was the Angus Reserve. And um, so, you know, I threw up a few names to them and this is one of the ones that they come back with and we all liked it. So um, they come on board and we, um, the whole new breeding's taking place. Nice. So it's it's Angus Reserve barbecue team, is that right? Angus Reserve barbecue crew. Crew. Ah, oh, sorry, I was close. That's all right. And so the, the, the whole trailer's all been redone and everything? Trailers all redone, new marquees, new apparel, everything. Yeah, so, you know, they've done a great job in fitness out in, you know, the whole, whole, whole outfit. Oh, very cool. And so how does the, uh, how does the, the Angus, I mean, obviously you like the product, you, you're cooking with it, you're, you're sponsored with them, but tell us a bit about that, about their beef. So the Angus Reserve, you know, NH Foods has an Angus Reserve product um, from 150 day right through to a long fed program. Um, it's under the verified Black Angus program of Angus Australia. Um, and as you know, we've cooked the beef, you know, for two or three years now and took it to the States with us the last two years. Um, definitely over in the States, I think it's a, I think it's a flavour profile that's actually why the brisket does so well over there, especially in the Texan area. Um, you know, I think it's what it's been fed on. Um, wheat and barley and uh, that kind of thing and just our, our flavour and texture that's done so well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a couple of slices of that one you cooked there in Houston there two years ago. That was uh, that was some phenomenal stuff. Yeah, you know, this year, this year with um, Jeff and the boys that actually won first place in brisket in Houston with our Angus brisket, um, you know, I tasted our brisket and I thought our brisket was okay. I didn't think it was as good as the year before, but then I walked down to the boys' tent, which is only a couple hundred yards away from us, and they said, I'll oh, have a try this. This is the one we put in. It's yours. And as soon as I tried it, it was just so much like the year before. And I, I said to Ash, I said, these blokes are going to go all right, you know, and bugger me dead. They win the grand champion of brisket. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that's yeah. great. <clears throat> and I, I understand that, um, that you – not only have been uh, competing as Angus and using Angus product, but you actually uh, organised like a, a conference or something, didn't you? No. So what happened was Angus, Angus Australia decided they had a uh, yearly conference and their yearly conference being 100 years of Angus was going to be uh, at Albury this year and in last couple of weeks and um, last week actually. And um, mid through last year, I think we were at um, – up at uh, bon, um, Bangalore Comp, and one of the Angus Reserve people come over and see me and said, oh, you know, how could we run a comp like this, similar to this at our uh, conference? And I said, oh, you know, I thought it was a weekend. And they said, oh, no, no, it's going to be a Wednesday. I said, oh, well, if you want to have a comp during the week, you know, we have to do it as a, uh, a light series and an invitation to get people to be able to, you know, not be working and come to this kind of event. So, uh, you know, the months went on and um, they come back to me and asked me would I put a proposal up. So I did that. I put a proposal up to them how I believe a competition would work during the week. Um, they accepted that proposal. We um, give them um, a group of 15, 20 names of teams and everything that them teams have done. They come back and said, you know, we'd like to go with these 10 teams. 
Um, what do you think? So that's what we did. And uh, so, and then product, uh, all the product that was cooked. And so the four companies that are under the Verified Black Angus program for Angus Australia, they actually um, were allocated a, a cut of meat that they had to um, supply all the teams. So every team cooked the same cut uh, from the same product. So, you know, uh, NH Foods, Angus Reserve had the uh, the brisket, uh, Rangers Valley had the cheeks, um, and uh, Jack's Creek had the strip loins, and Three Creek had the tri-tips. So every team got portions of meat. And we cooked it under a light new light series, which I think is a great a great concept for a um, for a companies to run um, these kind of events. And uh, so we'd run it at Albury. It was a one day event, which was a was a fairly big day, starting at five o'clock in the morning and then presentation at eight o'clock that night. Ooh. And um, it was run in the park at Albury there, and um, it went very well. Very, very well, and uh, was uh, the quality of the product was pretty amazing. With and everyone was keen to cook, you know, the cheeks, the tri tips, briskets, and uh, everything in in one. You know, everyone cooked the same thing. So it ended up a very, very close competition, um, and uh, grillers in the mess ended up taking the night out. Yeah, yeah, I, I reckon that's a great concept having the. Um having all the teams cooking with the same meat. And it must have been fascinating for them too to have each uh, each hand in, each protein for each hand in uh, from a different supplier. So, so then they'd be able to look at Rangers Valley and look at Angus Reserve and, and all that sort of stuff and get, a, and, and get a feel for the exposure of the different brands as well. It was. And, and you know, it really, you know, a, lot of, a lot of blokes hadn't cooked, you know, too many cheeks or too many tri-tips or even thought about, you know, here I get given two strip loins. How? What am I going to do with two strip loins? Am I going to just, you know, one steak? Am I going to put it put it in the smoker as a whole? Am I going to cut it, grill it? And so there was that many different options. Um, like Lucas had a uh, a strip loin on a little spit. Lucas chain on a little spit going around. You know, and that's the one they actually handed in. The one that we handed in, we actually had in the smoker as a whole piece, and cut them, you know, about an inch thick, and then just re-rubbed the surfaces and actually took out first place in the stake. So it's quite interesting, different, little bit different concept to the SCA we had, you know, it was all open. So it was a lot of different ways they got cooked. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that there was um, asado grills and, and as you said, the rotisseries and then all your traditional smokers as well. It must've been fascinating. It was, and it was in a, it was in a little tight little knit area. Um, they had like in a, a bit of a U shape. Um, so and then the stage in front of it and we were lucky enough to, Angus Australia brought Jess Proles over as the MC, and um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a real little amphitheater. It was a very good concept. Yeah, beautiful. So, where do you see Aussie beef as a general concept um, going in the future as a brand? Um, Aussie beef, I think it has a, a look. At the end of the day, on the export market, um, a lot of beef, Aussie beef goes all across the world. Um, the hardest market to probably get beef into, not good beef into, because American have so much good quality beef and, and the volume they have is amazing volume. You know, it's probably seven times amount a week than what we do in Australia. And, you know, there's going to be niche markets that's going to get into the American market, like our briskets and things like that. But, you know, you're competing on a, a you know, the quality over there is so good. So you're only going to have that niche market into that barbecue scene um, that, and that kind of thing. But, you know, there's a lot of other programs in the American market 
Um, you know, your HGP3 programs are grass-fed, which is growing year on year on. Um, so, you know, it, it is a tough market to get into. Um, but, you know, for sure there's going to be um, companies that's going to get their product in and you're going to start seeing it in that market. Mate, I can't wait to see that Aussie beef taking the world by storm. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, you know, 70% of our production now across Australia goes in, you know, across all parts of the world. So, you know, you can go to all different parts of the world, you see all this Angus beef that's getting produced in Australia, you know, everywhere, Europe, Asia, you know, China, it's, you know, it's everywhere. And you get all these comments come back, they see all the different brands. And so, you know, it's great that it's all happening. Mm, yeah, for sure. Have you heard of a of an Aussie brand called A9? Uh, yeah, I think I think the A9 is the AACO. I think yeah, it, it gets a, it's probably one of the more dominant brand over there in the barbecue scene at the moment. I think. Yeah, when I was in Louisiana, the um, the competitors that I was meeting over there, they were saying, "Oh, you're an Aussie, so you must cook A9." I was like, mm. uh, "No." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think a lot of that product actually goes all exports. You don't see too much of it around. No, no, I, I don't think I've seen it before I was uh, before I was there. No, and I think, you know, the most of the brands you see in Australia, the around the scenes that we're at is, you know, your Rangers and Black Onyx and, you know, the English Reserve and, you know, things like Cape Grim and things like that. Yeah, yep. So you're a busy, busy man. So that was during the week. That was the uh, – the, the conference trade show and competition during the week, and then you headed up to Gloucester. How was Gloucester? Yeah, we travelled back home on Thursday and back to Gloucester Friday night. Look, <laughs> <laughs> Gloucester's a great little comp. Um, you know, 13 teams there. Dion had a few teams pull out the last moment. It's it's actually in the pub grounds. Um, you split up in two areas, one out in the grass and one in the car park, and they've got the little motel there so everyone stays there. So it's a really neat comp. Um, very good comp. Um, yeah, so, you know, it was a bit of a quick trip back. Um, I think out of the 13 teams, I think there was eight eight teams actually travelled back from Albury straight straight to Gloucester. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> and that's that's quite a drive too. It is. It took, like, it took me, uh, it was 12 hours for us until we got home back to Wingham from Albury and Tommy stopped and done a few things. So, yeah, it's a long drive. Oh, wow. Wow. But it's worth it's worth it. Worth it, yeah. I, I have heard really good things about that comp. Like it's it, it's always positive feedback every year about the Gloucester comp. Yeah, it is, and you know everyone's so close. And you know this year we had lucky enough we had two rounds of the SCA um, state competition there as well on the Saturday, and that went off quite well. I think he had you know I think there's about uh, 19 actually nominated for that, and the stakes were you know pretty amazing and. Um, the quality, I was lucky enough to be in the judge inside of that this year and um, it was pretty amazing, the stakes that going through there. Yeah, yeah, I, I do love a good ribeye. Mm. The, uh, the the creativity that, that, that comes through on the SCA for the ancillaries is just off the charts as well. It is, it is, yeah, no, definitely, you know, I think uh, a couple of weeks' time, uh, smoke and broke's on and I had a look what they've got on their SCA and, you know, they've got steak and margaritas and, tacos and hot dogs so yeah it's going to be pretty amazing that one too those margaritas are going to be fantastic did you see the shots of the uh of the bloody mary category from the q club there a few months ago i did i did and they were amazing that so, was yeah, crazy <laughs> a lot of time and effort i'll tell you yeah yeah yeah, yeah but, but you guys actually um you guys pulled off gc uh sorry rgc there rgc we did yeah um 
full throttle um, to get first place GC again. Um, they got, they're on fire, uh, Mick and the boys, Mick and Paulie. Yeah, they're on a roll, yeah. They are definitely on a roll, and that's good to see. You know, they've probably been in the for, you know, a couple of years now, 18 months, two years, and uh, great, great bunch of blokes. Um, yeah, and they're well-deserved. And, uh, yeah, was, you know, if any team to beat you, it's them fellas that you don't mind. And uh, But, you know, we, since we come back from the States, um, changed, changed a few things, and um, we've actually gone quite well. And, you yeah, picked up RGC. Um, it's a little bit surprising. Um, there's some good teams there. Um, our cook went quite well. A couple of things that we didn't have that we missed out from taking, duly mainly because of uh, down at Albury being all beef and not, not putting the thinking cap <laughs> on to make sure we've got everything straight away to cover us as well. But, um, you yeah, know, it was a great result. So tell me about your hand-ins. What did you do for the different hand-ins? Um, so hand-ins, we had chicken, which we always do our normal chicken, which is chicken thighs, and um, we always do bone-in thighs. Do you do cupcakes or pillows? Uh, no, pillows. Okay. Yeah. Always stick to the pillows. Um, seen that. I always think they work better. Um, and then we uh, done pork ribs. Um, normal pork ribs. Actually, we done very well with our pork ribs. I think we uh, we got beat the count back in first place in pork ribs. So um, yeah, no, they they cook very nice. So some pork, some pork pork ribs. Yep. Yep. And uh, are you are you baby backs or St Louis? St. Louis. St. Louis, okay. Yep. Yeah, St. Louis, yeah. And then um, the other category was lamb. We done uh, ribs and um, lamb ribs and uh, cutlets, which you normally do there. Yep, yep. And um, then on pork, we done uh, full pork and a bit of um, money muscle as well, sliced up. Oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah, and then for beef, we cooked uh, brisket, of course. I had to cook a brisket. It was open beef, but we decided to stick to our brisket. We had a good brisket and done brisket burn-ins, and I actually cooked an oyster blade. Uh, first time I've actually cooked one. Um, we had a uh, English Reserve, probably about a marble seven um, oyster blade and um, cooked it the same style as brisket and from the smaller end. Got six really nice slices out of that, so we had a very full box, and I think we ended up coming fourth in fourth in uh, open beef, which yeah, and their texture scores and presentation was very good. So, but they did eat really good the uh, oyster blade; it was very nice. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So this open beef category is a bit sort of controversial at the moment. There's been a couple of people with their noses out of joint with steaks being handed in against their briskets. Where do you stand on the on the whole open beef category? Yeah, it's a hard one. Look, Ben, I actually took a tenderloin over. I had a um, a uh, Angus tenderloin that was very well marbled, and I hummed and hard to cook it. And as for myself and Steve, thought about it long and hard, and we thought, well, from a judge's point of view, I know it's open brisket, open beef, but um, majority of these people are around barbecue most of the time. And I said, I'm surely God, you know, we can get one of these cuts, our brisket or our oyster blade or burn-ins to be really good as a steak. And actually three of them, the whole three cuts come out perfect. That's why we put the hole in the box. Knowing that uh, Aussie Pit Boys were doing a tomahawk, um, and I think they took second place with a tomahawk steak against you. You know, from a point low and slow, I'm not a fan of it. Um, myself, I don't think, you know, the technique and the uh, the real, um, uh, what I'm saying, the real 
challenge in the low and slow, I believe, is to get a brisket on, you know, to make a brisket really nice, moist texture. That's the challenge. And putting a steak in and against an open steak, I just think it, I think it's wrong. But that's the rules. That's what promoters want to put up. That's fine. So at the end of the day, you've got to cook what you think that can get to that judge and not offend any judge and get the best marks. Got to play the game as it's written. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so what's coming up for you for the rest of the year? So in a couple of weeks' time, we'll go to Broke, um, Smoking Broke, which is a comp that we um, went last year, actually got GC. Great comp out there, Broke, um, that Rob and Randy run. Um, can get can get fairly cold out there in the open plains, but um, yeah, it was it was amazing comp last year. So we we're definitely back there. Then heading up to Brisbane on the t- uh, late June to do the um, beer and barbecue. Oh, you're going to come and do the KCBS comp up yeah, here? Do that one as well because we done when we go to America this year. We done um, Shotgun Fred, which is KCBS as well. So yeah, no, definitely go up and do that one as well. There was a competition called Shotgun Fred. Shotgun Fred, yeah. <laughs> That's what it was called. What, were you cooking squirrels and raccoons? No, and no, no, no. It was, um, was the typical KCBS. So it was, it was a very, very good comp, actually. So, and, you know, that's where Darren Worth and all them colours were at. So, you know, there was only like 35 teams there, but it was a real close-knit team like that. We do have a comps in, tar- in, um, in Australia. So, you know, it was really good to get to know the blokes and, share some time with them folks that was great yeah very cool mm. and then you know we've got brisbane kingaroy um bacon fest of course uh the dam and then probably we'll do try to do uh the new hope hope winery one and then, oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then the invitational okay yeah so if you're going to um to do the KCBS one here in Brisbane, are you going to come do KCBS in Burley? Oh, I'm actually away while that's on. And then the boys, yeah, no, we're not going to do that one. So we only be going to do the one for the year. Oh, that's a shame because if you yeah because if you're going to do that one in Burley, then it's only one more and you and you're eligible for team of the year. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's unfortunate. I'm actually going on a uh, an annual leave holiday after I broke for three weeks. So I'll get back on the Thursday night before uh, before the KCBS in Brisbane. So we hectic enough. Yeah, that's fair enough, mate. I've known you for a couple of years now. It's the first time I've heard you say you th- that you're taking a holiday. Yes, yeah, heading to Greece. So can't <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, wow. Yeah, can't wait. Very cool. Uzo and barbecued octopus. Yeah, <laughs> tools down and time to relax. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, look, mate, thanks very much for your time. Congratulations on your IGC and best of luck for the year coming up. Thanks, Ben, and thanks for your support over the years, mate. Thank you very much. And there you have it, family. That's a wrap. Three top chats with three of the best in the game at this time. In a huge week in barbecue for Australia, four competitions in a week. For us, that is just massive. I'm super excited about the state of the game and what's coming up in the future. I really can't wait. Before we do wrap this up, I want to just remind you about our merch shop. We've got some killer stuff in there, the Hail Mary t-shirts, the kettle caps, the stickers, the tumblers. Head on over there and check it out. Some of the best looking gear going around, if I do say so myself. Thank you once again to all the people who came on the show and shared their knowledge with us, and thank you for listening. And until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. 
head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. Mm -hmm.